0: Let's take our Bibles, please this morning. And turn again to First Timothy. First Timothy chapter one. beautiful book written by the Apostle Paul to a young pastor Timothy. And we've been going through studying, and we're in chapter one and starting in verses six and seven today. Now, as I said last week, six and seven are part of a larger sentence so when we read we will read five through seven so we read the entire sentence we looked at verse five last week as we examined um, having a disposition of love out of a pure heart a good conscience and faith unfeigned but this morning i want us to continue looking at this sentence and look at the results of getting off course you know if a ship or an airplane gets slightly off course it may not matter immediately, but you go a long distance, and that starts to matter after a while, doesn't it? It can end up being quite disastrous. So it is with you and I, Christian. If we start to deviate in our faith, waver in our uh, doctrine, waver and start compromising, it may not seem like much now, but it puts you on a course of destruction. And so you and I need to understand we need to stay on course. So if you're physically able, if you please stand with me as we read 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. Now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and of faith unfeigned, from which some, having swerved, having turned aside unto vain jangling, desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor whereof they affirm so we'll look at these three points this morning first of all we'll see swerving from the truth swerving from the truth secondly we'll see desiring to teach desiring to teach and then the last point will be understanding not a thing understanding not a thing you and i need to be careful we don't swerve from the truth but we stay on course in our lives. Let's look to the Lord in prayer, please. Father, again, I pray as we examine this passage that each of us would be mindful of the need of standing for truth, not swerving from truth, but Lord, allowing you to direct in our lives. So Lord, I pray you'd speak to our hearts. May your Holy Spirit have free reign. Lord, I pray the the word spoken will be what you want spoken this morning. We'll be careful to give the praise for it all in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Swerving from the truth. You see, if you go back to verse 3, Paul, as he's writing, says at the end of the verse, that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine. But there's already been at the church at that time, and it definitely is in the church today, where people have swerved from the truth to false doctrines. Swerve has the idea of missed the mark to go astray or leave the way. There have been some that have taught, been taught the right way, but decide to go their own way anyhow. They turned aside or turned away from those that choose to follow the fables, the endless genealogies, all the things that we've been studying over the last several weeks. But if you go even in the sentence itself, now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart, of a good conscience, of faith unfeigned, from which some having swerved, so not only have they swerved from the truth, but they turned away from love, which means they've turned away from having a pure heart, having a good conscience, and having an unfeigned faith. There are some that have wrong motives, a defiled conscience, and a wavering faith that have led to many compromises. And unfortunately today, many Christians are compromising their faith. I mentioned this earlier, but I saw this week of a new thing, I guess it's kind of new, I've never seen it before, of those that claim to be transitioning in their translations. In other words, they're saying... We're transitioning from the King James to more modern translations. Folks, we need to stand firm on the truth. We don't make changes just willy-nilly. We need to stand firm and understand why. And before we make a change, we need to understand why we're making a change. Now, we have changed some things here at Freedom Baptist Church. We've changed service times, but there was a reason and a purpose. And there was no biblical precedent saying that these are the hours in which you must meet. But the Bible is very clear that God has revealed His Word to us, and the very words are preserved, and so to just start changing translations without understanding all the the factors behind how we got the translation we have is not just making a change of time. It's a doctrinal change. Christian, you and I need to stand fast on what we know and believe and not swerve from the truth. We can't swerve from what we first don't know. So it's important we study and know the Word of God. So let me ask, are you studying the Word of God on a regular basis? Do you have a regular Bible study in your life? If not, you need to start. Not just reading the Bible, but studying the Bible. Now, there's many helps out there, but be careful what helps you get or use because there's many false teachers out there as well. But Christian, you and I need to follow the old paths. Jeremiah 6.16, the Lord speaking says, Thus saith the Lord, Stand ye in the ways, and see, and ask for the old paths, where is the good way, and walk therein, and ye shall find rest for your souls. But they said, We will not walk therein. You know, too many today want something new something bright, something shiny. And ooh, there's a new, new doctrine somebody so-and-so taught, taught about. Well, let me tell you something. If it's a new doctrine and hasn't been taught before, don't be readily to accept it or follow it. Because it's probably false because there's nothing new under the sun. And there's been men studying this book for years and there's been much written about this book. And so to have some new revelation is not a new revelation because God has given us all his revelation in this book. The Holy Spirit can direct you in the old paths. We can ask the Holy Spirit, and we need to ask the Holy Spirit to guide us and direct us in following the truth. Isaiah 30, 21, and nine years shall hear hearing the word behind me saying, this is the way, walk ye in it, when you turn to the right hand, or when you turn to the left. Isn't it wonderful to know God wants to direct you in the truth, and He will guide you, and He has a path for you to follow, and when you start to deviate, if we're listening to the Holy Spirit, He'll say, this is the way, this is the way, He brings you back where you belong, so that you don't get off course. But he says now in the rest of the verse, from which some having swerved, they missed the mark, they've gone astray, they've turned aside unto vain jangling. Christian, you and I need to not waste time on fruitless, empty talk. And by the way, that's what vain jangling means, empty, idle, or fruitless talk. Have you noticed there's a lot of people who like to talk for the sake of talking? There are many who can talk and say a whole lot of words, but then actually say nothing. We call these lawyers. Now, I kind of laugh about it, but the truth is, as I learned my five years as a commissioner, we would try to write an ordinance, and then, of course, they always have to be submitted to law, and then the lawyer would reword it in some kind of legal ease that when you read it, it said nothing. Mike, you probably found that at state level, too, all the time, didn't you? And so then you read this law that you thought was really going to be something good, but the lawyers got a hold of it, and they can do a lot of vain jangling. They can speak for hours and say absolutely nothing. But so do a lot of other people. Idle talk. I want you to think about the words we say, the words we use. Matthew 26, or I'm sorry, Matthew 12, 36 says, But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. Have you ever thought of that? Every idle word. You and I are going to give an account of our words. Some feel that they just have to say something. What is it Abraham Lincoln said? It's better to remain silent and be thought a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. Well, there's plenty who open their mouth and remove all doubt. They have to say something. Sometimes the best thing to say is absolutely nothing. I had a co worker years ago who committed suicide. He was a young man, and his parents got a hold of me and asked me if I would do his funeral. And I drove up to their house and sat with them. The funeral director came to make the arrangements. And of course, he's a businessman. He's trying to convince them, you know, they need an extra heavy-duty lining in the, ca- uh, in the casket because it would be more comfortable for him. But honestly, folks, I couldn't say it was Gary's time. I had witnessed to Gary many times, and to best of my knowledge, he did not receive Jesus Christ as his Savior, so I couldn't say he's in a better place. There was nothing I could say. And you know what the best thing was? Just give him a shoulder to cry on. Sometimes saying nothing is the best thing to say. But too many want to talk. they got to act like they know what they're talking about, so they got to put their two cents in there. Paul wrote to the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians 4, 9-12, he says, But it's touching brotherly love. You need not that I write unto you, for ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another, and indeed ye do it toward all the brethren which are in Macedonia. But we beseech you, brethren, that ye increase more and more that you study to be quiet and to do your own business and to work with your own hands as we commanded you. They may walk honestly toward them without and that they may have lack of nothing. That's an interesting phrase. Study to be quiet. Study has the idea of an, amb- have an ambition or aspire to. To be quiet has the idea of be still or to be quiet. How often do we got to speak? We got to be known. Sometimes the best thing is just be quiet. Be still. Malachi 2.17, the Word of God tells us, You have wearied the Lord with your words, yet you say, Wherein have we wearied Him? When you say, Everyone that doeth evil is good in the sight of the Lord, and he delighteth in them. Or, Where is the God of judgment? Christian, part of making sure we're staying on course is not turning aside unto vain jangling. We need to be careful what we say. Say what you mean, mean what you say. I used to tell my children that all the time. We've all heard the phrase, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. The stupidest thing anybody ever said. Because if I were to ask for a survey, how many of you in this room have been hurt by words, I guarantee there are people in this room that have been cut deeper by words somebody has said than by any action anybody has ever taken against you. Words can hurt. Words can help heal. Words can give comfort. Words can destroy. Words can lead people to war. Words are very powerful. So Christian, you and I need to learn to study, to be quiet, and speak up when it's necessary. But otherwise, when there's nothing to say, how about we learn to just keep our mouths shut? That probably would do us well, wouldn't it? So we've seen, as we're staying on course, number one, we need to not swerve from the truth. And we need to talk about desiring to teach it's interesting in verse 7 desiring to be teachers of the law you see a call to teach or preach is a call to prepare now the word desiring here is a word of wanting or wishing and teacher of the law is exactly what that means but teaching requires study 2nd timothy chapter 2 verse 15 study to show thyself approved unto god a workman that needeth not to be ashamed rightly dividing the word of truth 1 Timothy 3, 1-6, through 6, and this is a true saying, If any man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach, not given to wine, no striker, not guilty of filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler, not a covetousness, one that ruleth his own house well, having his children in subjection with all gravity, for if a man not rul- know not how to rule his own house, how should he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into condemnation of the devil. So, a, one who desires to be in the ministry, a pastor, a bishop as it calls it in this passage, should have certain qualifications. One of them being apt to teach, but the other is also not being a novice or new in the faith. It should be somebody who studied, and understands the Word of God, because you don't want to get somebody up here who talks about what they don't know, right? In other words, you and I should know of what we speak before we speak. Let me ask it this way. When somebody comes to you for advice, will they be better off or worse if they listen and heed to your advice? Because if you're going to tell them phrases like I've even heard Christians say, follow your heart, or just do what you feel is best, or whatever you think, then how about you learn, maybe you're better not giving advice. Because what we should be saying is what does God have to say about this? What does the Word of God teach about this? Because what God says matters, but your opinion doesn't. And neither does mine. And so whether it be your children, whether it be somebody else in the church, whatever it might be, it's okay to say, I don't know the answer. It's okay to seek help from somebody else. But sometimes we got to act like we know what we're talking about, so we make something up. Well, let me ask you a question. If I were to come to you and you just made something up, and I didn't know you just made it up, and I went and followed that, am I going to be better off or am I going to be worse for following your advice? Be careful in the advice you give. Makes you stop and think, doesn't it? I think it's no wonder James says, My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. Masters there has the idea of teachers, teachers of not the law, but in this case, teachers of the New Testament. Don't be many masters. Because they receive the greater condemnation. Now, not condemnation as in hell, but the greater accountability because you're accountable for what you say. We need to remain steadfast and faithful to the Word of God. Titus 1.9, holding fast the faithful word which he hath been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. You see, many times we give advice because it's what we heard somebody else say. We give advice because it's what my mama taught me. It's what my daddy taught me. Well, maybe there's some biblical principle to it. And if there is, then that may be good advice for the next person. But if it's something that somebody told you, but there's no validity to it, there's no truth to it, there's no principle of God's word to back it up, then stop repeating it. So if you're going to be teaching, make sure that you've studied before you teach. Now, anybody I've helped at this church to prepare for teaching or preaching which there have been several men who have stood here who have uh, I've asked to preach and or teach and have come to me and help try to help them study will tell you that by the time they're done studying they'll have all these notes over here and then they have to condense it down to what they're going to preach and that's proper study folks because you should know more about the subject then you're able to get into 30, 45-minute message. Correct? We cannot ac- ac- uh, accurately teach what you have not first learned. First Timothy 6, 3-5 says, If any man teach otherwise, and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing, but doting about questions and strifes of words, whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, evil surmisings, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness. From such, withdraw thyself. God says if one is deviating from the truth of God's word, they're proud, they don't know anything, so don't listen to them. You and I need to be careful, Christian, who we listen to and and to what we're hearing. And yes, I challenge you, even as I preach the Word of God here, to be a Berean and take and see if what I'm preaching is so. Study it. Know what you're hearing is really the truth. Just because somebody said something doesn't make it true. Right? And by the way, everything you see on the Internet doesn't mean it's necessarily true. Matter of fact, a lot of it's not. So if we're going to stay on course in our lives, if we're not going to deviate from sound doctrine, if we're not going to deviate from love, which comes from a pure heart, a good conscience, an unfeigned faith, then we need to ensure that if we are going to teach, we're going to teach and preach the Word of God the way God gave it, the way He intended it. You say, well, how do I do that? See, here's the problem as many are preparing to teach, and yes, I'm ta- referring to teaching, but you know, it could be again if you're going to give advice to somebody, if you're counseling somebody, or whatever the case may be, you're trying to help your children through a certain thing. Well, how would you study that in the Word of God? Where would you start, folks? This is why it's important we know and understand the principles of Bible study. Well, okay, so if somebody has an issue. That they're dealing with Well, what does the bible have to say about that issue well you could find yourself a topical bible and you could find every time that topic's mentioned and you could start looking up those scriptures but then when you look up those scriptures you're not looking for something that says what you want it to say we're guilty of that sometimes too aren't we but you need to find out what it actually says well how do you do that well you define the words You get a dictionary and you look up, what do these words really mean? You hear me several times already, even this morning, saying, this word means, defining the words. Because words have meaning, and God said every word is given by inspiration, therefore the words matter, and you need to study what those words mean, and then you put it all together in context and say, okay, so what's the principles we can learn from this? What are the eternal truths God is teaching in this passage? Folks, we we sometimes either treat Bible study too flippantly or we act like it's too hard. God didn't make it hard. He made it that it is work, requires effort, but every one of us can be a student of the Word, can we not? And ought to be a student of the Word. And then when we present the Word, then we need to go back to what he just said in the previous verse, in verse 5, with charity or love or love out of a pure heart, having the right motives, a good conscience, clean conscience, and faith unfeigned. Once I am convinced this is what the Word of God teaches, I know, I've studied this, what God said, that I'm going to be standing there firm on conviction and not wavering. And so going back to what I said earlier about all these young men that are all of a sudden transitioning into other versions, maybe they never were taught. You need to have a conviction on why you use a certain version. You need to study it and find out why do you use this. Well, we need to help them, don't we, before it's too late. Because let me tell you, I have heard numerous times here, not from any of you who are currently sitting here, but numerous times throughout the years, well, you know, it should be a whole lot easier if you just use a different version, people could understand it. It'd be a whole lot easier, people could understand more the modern English. Why don't you just switch what you're using? I understand the pressure that maybe some of these young preachers feel. But we need to pray that they will stand firm and not compromise and not waver. And folks, we need to stand firm and not compromise and not waver. Well, that brings us down to our, no, before I start the last point, 1 Timothy 6:20 20 and 21. O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust, avoiding profane and vain babblings, and oppositions of science falsely so-called, which some professing have erred concerning the faith. Grace be with thee. Amen. Profane and vain babblings. I think many of the doctrines, false doctrines we hear in churches today would fall under the category of profane and vain babblings. It's nonsense. The opposition of science falsely so-called. I mentioned before when we were talking about the endless genealogies, how that that has adopted into the church today through the Darwinism. And now there's many churches that still hold to a theistic evolution that somehow, somewhere, God didn't actually create the world in six literal days, but he used eons of time, massive amounts of time, thousands of years, millions of years, whatever, in order to create this world And so thereby saying that when God said he created in six literal days in Genesis chapter one, they're saying that that is wrong. Putting a question mark on the word of God and thereby knocking out the foundation and putting a question mark on the entire word of God. Folks, it's adopted in the churches today. Paul is telling young Timothy, avoid it. Don't give it time of day. Sometimes some questions people ask don't really deserve an answer. Say, well, that sounds rude. Look, if they say, how does the eons of time fit in the Bible? It doesn't. Well, how can you say that? Because God said he created in six literal days. That's the answer. And if they want to argue the point further, there's nothing further to discuss because God said so, period. And then we get called narrow-minded bigots and and closed-minded and everything else. Well, as one preacher said, I am narrow-minded. About that narrow right there. And I'm not making excuses for it, folks. If it's not in here, why are we wasting time on it? So we've seen, swerving from the truth, we need to be careful not to waste time on vain jangling, empty talk, desiring to teach. There are those who want to teach, but they shouldn't be. Because of our last point, desiring to be teachers of law, understanding neither what they say nor whereof they affirm. They want to be teachers of the law, but they don't understand what they're saying. Now remember, these Judaizers were saying, in order to be a good Christian, in order to be a Christian, you need to keep the law. You need to be circumcised. You need to do whatever. You need to keep the law in order to be saved. Paul is saying they don't even understand the purpose of the law. What is the purpose of the law? Well, Paul told us in the book of Galatians that the law was given to be a schoolmaster to bring us unto Jesus Christ. Galatians 3, 24 and 25, wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we, we might be justified by faith, and after that faith has come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. So a true understanding and teaching of the law is going to point us to Christ. As all Scripture points to Christ, you can study anything in Scripture and you should be able to point to Christ, Right? You can study the tabernacle, and every piece of furniture in that tabernacle points to Jesus Christ. You can study... You can go through many other things throughout Scripture, and you can find that all of them are pointing to Christ. So the law itself was pointing us to Christ. It was not a means of salvation. It was not a means of earning favor with God. It was a way to show us our sinfulness, and thereby the fact that we need a Savior, and the Savior of the world is Jesus Christ. So the law points us to Christ, because He fulfilled the law. Amen? So when somebody else is, or when somebody is teaching something other than the purpose of the law being to point us to Christ, then they're a false teacher. They don't understand. Paul says what they're even teaching. The word "understand" has the idea of discern or to think over. But the Bible tells us the natural man does not know the things of the Spirit of God. Right? They're spiritually discerned. You and I need to have spiritual discernment to understand the Word of God. Now. I constantly need discernment. James 1.5, I'm glad is in the Bible, says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth all men liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. If you had a major surgery you're going to go for and the, and the doctor said, well, he wouldn't be a doctor. If a person said, well, you know, I've never studied anatomy. I've never studied any a physiology, but I saw this on YouTube and I think I can do this. You'd be like, oh, okay, right? No, you'd probably be like, yeah, get lost, buddy. Oh, I think I can just cut you wide open and root around in there and figure it out. And I'll, 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 Don't worry, I'll take care of everything. You'd be like, that's not happening. Okay, so in the same way you wouldn't turn to that individual for surgery, then why do we turn to somebody who has not studied the Word of God and look to them as a teacher? You say, where does that happen? Look at universities all across this nation today. People in religious programs who maybe have all these nice little letters after their name, but they don't know the God of whom they speak trying to teach others about the Bible. That happens in many secular universities in their religious studies program that somebody's up there questioning God the whole time. Well, why would you hire such a clown to teach something he doesn't even know? Hence the reason why, but Christian... Okay, while well, I'm talking a lot about pastors and teachers, should each of us not be applying this to our own lives? Because in a way, are not every one of us a teacher of the word, whether it be your own children, whether it be in a Sunday school class, whether it be those your friends who come to advice for, for advice for you, or every time and this is something every one of us is commanded to do, every time we share the gospel of Jesus Christ, we are teaching and preaching. So therefore, um, this applies then to everyone sitting in this room. And if you and I babble on not knowing what we're talking about, God says we're proud and says you don't know what you're talking about, so don't. Now, that doesn't give us an excuse not to share the gospel. Okay, well, I don't know what to say, so I won't. Pastor just said so. No, that's not what I said. But what we are to do is to learn the truth so that we can present the truth to somebody else. If you say, I am uncomfortable sharing the gospel with somebody, then why don't you come to me and we'll go out together. And by the way, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. I'm not sure it ever actually becomes really comfortable. And if it does, I haven't reached it yet. But you know what? The fact that these souls are lost souls, for whom Jesus Christ died, should motivate us to overcome our fear of speaking. Look at the end of the verse. In verse 7, Desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say, nor whereof they affirm. Just because one asserts that what they're saying is true does not make it true. Now whereof they affirm, the word affirm has the idea speak firmly or insist on it. People can insist on all kinds of things. I've heard people insist, oh, this is right, but it's not. Well, this is the only way we can do this. Well, have you considered this way? No. Just because somebody affirms it doesn't make it true. Hence, again, the reason why Acts 17.11, the um, Bereans were commended. It says, these were more noble than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness of mind, And search the scriptures daily whether those things were so. Don't believe everything you're told, hook, line, and sinker. But study it to see if it's truly factual. Now let's apply this in several areas of life. I heard that so-and-so said, well, first of all, why are you telling me about it? How about you go to them and find out if it's what they really said? I've done that numerous times. I'll go to somebody. I've heard rumors, and I hate rumors, so I'm bringing it to the horse's mouth. This is what was said. Is it true? And then they tell me yes or no. Well, why don't we give people the benefit of the doubt of doing that? We listen to the gossip, we listen to the rumors, and then we go spread it as though it's truth because somebody told me so. Well, number one, stop listening to the gossip. Two, if you do hear it, take it back to the source and find out if it's even true. And by the way, I promise you, if every one of us started practicing this and doing this, that the gossip circles would stop coming to you. Because they don't want you checking up on them. They don't want you being a fact checker. They just want to spread their gossip, right? Some of you in this room I've probably come to at one point or another, hey, I heard this, is this true? Because, folks, we need to, we need to verify the facts before we repeat the so-called facts. And then make sure what we're going to say is truly factual. Don't just speak off the cuff and think that that's funny or, well, it really didn't matter. Yes, it does. Again, we're going to give an account of every idle word we say. Therefore, think before you speak. Think before you speak. T, is it truthful? If it's not truthful, why do I need to say it? Two, is it, um, yeah, I can you remember now. Is, is it, what did you say? Helpful. helpful, thank you. Is it helpful? If not, don't say it. I, is it injurious? Is it going to create injury if I say this? If it is, don't say it. Is it necessary? If not, don't say it. Is it kind? If it's not, don't say it. How many times have you gotten frustrated with someone or something and you wrote a letter, and then you set it aside. Then you come back to it the next day, and you read the letter again, and you're like, yep, good thing I didn't send that. And then you rewrite it, and then you set it aside. And then you come back a day later, and you read it again. May I say that's applying discernment and wisdom? And we'd be much better off if we'd practice that then, not only with our letter writing, but also with our words, and stop and think, does this really need to be said before my mouth goes spouting off? But now let's go back to the teaching part. Because when somebody comes to me for advice, and I just spout off whatever comes to the top of my head, I need to ask myself again, are they going to be better off, or are they going to be worse off, if they actually heed my advice? That's a very serious question, is it not? But if you're going to offer the advice because somebody's come to you and asked, you have the responsibility of ensuring That this is advice this godly advice is going to help make the situation better and not worse and when we don't we're continuing to deviate off course which goes back then to if we're going to be truthful with folks then we got to go back to the source of truth because jesus said thy word is truth the word of god is truth is it not and so we need to study the word we need to be thinking One of the things God commands us to think. We need to be immersed in the Word of God. Our thinking needs to be biblical thinking so that when we do speak and we do teach and we do give advice that it truly is godly, biblical, sound advice and not parroting something we heard the world say. Now, I have told my children, now that they're adult children, You're ultimately going to have to make the choice, but here's the choices and here's the reasoning behind the choices when they come to me for advice. But to let them know you're ultimately going to have to make the choice, and I've told others that too, you're ultimately going to have to make the decision because I can't choose for somebody else, can I? I can't live your life, but I can advise. And many times you're doing exactly that for others. So be careful what you say, and how you advise. Because not only our own lives do we have to ensure stay on course, but it's not part of our responsibility as Christians to build each other up, to build brothers and sisters in Christ up. In other words, helping them stay on course as well. So if I'm flippant with my words, again, am I helping them stay on course, or am I helping them to deviate? So Christian, there are false teachers out there. There are those that do not have a pure heart, a good conscience, or faith unfeigned. There are those that teach and do not even know what they're teaching. So each of us need to ensure we follow sound doctrine, ask for the old paths, have a pure heart, a good conscience, and faith unfeigned, or we too will swerve from the truth. So when we speak, let's make sure we speak the truth. Let's bow forward a word of prayer.